Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Your word is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, and I pray that it would pierce us to our core, not to destroy us, but to cause us to fall, fall more deeply in love with you, to die to self, to live unto your son, Jesus. We pray this for his glory and for our good. Amen. Hi, I'm Peter. You heard of me, maybe. I was one of the guys that followed Jesus around. I was the guy that usually stuck his foot in his mouth, shot from the hip, said everything that everybody else was thinking and maybe wanted to say. I was the rock, but I was the rock that crumbled. But I was, I was restored by the true rock. Now, we have this day, this day, we call it Maundy Thursday, right? That, and you have this thing called Google. I used it to look it up because <laughs> I wanted to know what does it mean. You know, I'm just an uned uneducated fisherman. Well, I found that it comes from a Latin word that means mandate and means also command. And all that ties us back to that night, that night that Jesus was portrayed, that night that we were all together. And it was that command to love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said. He told us that. Boy, did I fail at loving him that night. I want to take you back there, though. I want, to, I, want to, I want to walk us back through that night. It was the Passover. It was a Passover night, and it was, looking back on it, it was an epic meal. But it was an epic meal given to epic failures. <laughs> he washed our feet. He washed my feet. He even washed Judas's feet. He prayed for us. And he actually prayed for all of you as well. It was like he was getting us ready for something. It was like he was on a mission, like he knew what he was doing. <laughs> I guess he kind of did. He told us one would betray him, that I would deny him. But I was, you know me, I was like, nah, Jesus. No, 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 I'll, I'll battle the armies for you. I'll, I'll take Rome down for you. I'll die for you. Funny to hear myself say that now because it was kind of the other way around. Anyways, he, he took us to the garden after we were together that night in the upper room. And it was the wee hours of the morning. And he took us to the usual spot in the garden of Gethsemane. It was the place that we went often to be together, to pray. It was actually the place that Judas knew as well. He took me and old Zebedee's boys a little further in to pray. Of course, the next thing you know, Jesus was having to wake me up because I fell asleep. But I, Jesus looked different when he woke me up. He was really distressed. I'd never seen anything like it before. He was sweating, but there was blood in his sweat. I'd never seen anyone so agonized. And I knew something was going on, but I was too bleary-eyed to, I was still trying to figure out what was going on with Jesus, and then we heard it. We heard the mob coming. We heard the voices. We heard the clanking armor, and there they were. I was awake now. My adrenaline was pumping, and I, I felt my side to make sure I had my sword still. 
And then I saw him at the front, Judas. And I, I didn't know whether to weep or to fight. I think I did a little bit of both. But Jesus, you know, Jesus, you know how he is. He just was this calm. He was the most calming presence there. He simply said, whom do you seek? Whom do you seek? And the mob said, said Jesus of Nazareth. And the craziest thing happened because he simply said, I am. And when he said it, I don't know what was going on, but it was like power went out of him. And the whole mob fell back to the ground. That was all I needed. I felt power just by being next to him. So I drew my sword and I swung. It turns out a fisherman or lousy swordsman. I just hit the guy's ear that I was going for. But then another crazy thing happened. Jesus reached out and healed the damage that I had caused. And he didn't rebuke me either. He simply communicated to me calmly that this is not going to work that way. It's amazing. Jesus' calm presence. But, you know, in my mind, we were supposed to do something big. It was a movement. We were going to change the world. We were going to conquer the world. But it felt like, for me, the world was falling apart. And it was only the beginning for me that night. So they, they led Jesus away, and, and, and John and I followed along. You know, John, when he wrote his gospel, he never used his name. But it was John. He was with us, and we, we were at a distance, of course, but they took Jesus to the palace of the high priest, and they took him in, and John was, had some connection to the high priest. I think it was some family connection. I don't know. He got himself in. You know, he was always thinking he was special. You know, he never actually let me live it down the day that we ran to the empty tomb, and he beat me there. He's never let me forget that one, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But he got in the courtyard. And he got me in too. And I don't know if John thought maybe he could pull some strings or what, but we got in there and I was just scared out of my mind. I didn't know why I even, I even went in. I knew that the, the place would be crawling with soldiers and high priest officials. And so I don't even know why I went in. And you just look at those guys wrong and you're toast. But I tried to slip by the door, hoping not to be seen, put my, my head down, but wouldn't you know it, the... The girl at the door, she, she recognized me. She said, you, you also are not one of these, this man's disciples, are you? My blood just ran cold in that moment, scared out of my mind. And I just, it was like I heard myself say, I am not. It's crazy because just earlier, Jesus had said, I am <laughs> And it was a moment of power for him, but it was the opposite for me in this moment. I was a powerless, crumbling mess of a failure. Couldn't even admit that I knew the guy. It was cold that night, and it felt extra cold for me. It was like the weather was an indication of what was going on in my heart. And John used to, like, grab onto those themes when he wrote his gospel. He would talk about light and darkness and cold and warmth. And, and it was always, he would tie that in somehow to what was actually going on spiritually. <laughs> I felt cold. I just tried to blend in with the servants and with the officers at that point. I went over to the fire because, like I said, it was cold. Went over, they had built a 
a charcoal fire, and they were all standing around, and I just tried to get up next to them and just blend in. I needed something outside myself to keep warm <laughs> in multiple ways. Jesus was inside, inside the house, and I, I, could, I could hear voices, but I couldn't really make out what was going on. But now I know we got the account from it later. You know, he, again, was just as calm, that calming presence. Even when they slapped him in the face, he was able to confidently stand his ground on the truth of who he is. Meanwhile, I was outside, a ball of anxiety and depression and sadness and fear, just trying to keep warm by that charcoal fire. Then it happened again. I guess the fire lit up my face, and somebody standing around that fire recognized me, and that same question came. You're not also one of his disciples, are you? The same cold response came out of me. I am not. Then I look up, and, and one of them's glaring at me. He said, that guy whose ear you cut off, he's my family. I know you were there that night with Jesus. I saw you in the garden. And at this point, I don't know what to do. I just start calling down curses on myself. I said, I'm not with him. I swear to you. And I couldn't believe it was all coming out of my mouth. But then... As I spoke those words, I heard it. The rooster crowed. And all that Jesus said came flooding back to me that he said that, that would happen. And it did. And it was like it was perfectly timed. I guess he had planned it, right? They were walking him out to take him to Caiaphas. And as the rooster crowed, as I denied him, he looked across the courtyard right at me, and I broke. I was totally undone. I wept, wept like I'd never wept before. Like everything I thought that was stable and sturdy and reliable in me was coming unraveled all at once. I questioned everything about me. Who am I? Who am I going to be? Who do I think I am? I'm no follower of Jesus. What was in that look? <laughs> Maybe you wonder. Well, I couldn't peer into Jesus' mind or his heart, of course. But I can tell you I didn't read an I told you so look or a how could you do this to me. It was none of that. It was way more weighty of a look. <laughs> it was like he saw into the depths of my soul. I saw, though, because I knew, I knew what came now, looking back, I knew what he was going to do after as I looked back. And I know that in that look, it was a look of, I love you, Peter, in your epic failure. In fact, Peter, this is exactly where I wanted you to be. Peter, the guy who said he would die for me, now in this moment is denying that he even knows me. Yes, Peter, I love you now in your failure. It was like he needed me to get to failure, to see that his love is not based on what I will do for him. That wrecked me, <laughs> that he loved me even when I turned my back on him. That look said, I'm still going through with this for you. 
for you. He walks that lonely walk to the Sanhedrin, to Pilate, to Calvary, to the cross, and he hung on that cross all the way to his death, hanging with the weight of my sin and my failure my separation from the holiness of God. <clears throat> what about you? What about your epic failure? Maybe it was an all-at-once thing. Maybe it was a piling up of a lifetime of things over time, a lot of little small things. It doesn't have to be all at once, but what is it? I don't want to bring you down. I don't want you to grovel in your failure, but I want you to think about it <clears throat> because I want you to see the look. Jesus gave to me. He says, I love you in your epic failure. He sees in the depths of your soul. He sees that failure, all of it, down to the grittiest detail. And he says, I love you because I love you. <laughs> what do we do with our failure? You know, Judas and I were not all that different. We were the same, really. One betrayed, one denied, but so, both was for self-preservation in the moment. What was the only difference was Judas tried to fix it himself. And when he realized he couldn't, his pride wouldn't admit it, and he ended it. And he cut off the opportunity for repentance and faith. Me, I crawled back into a fishing boat. I tried to get back to the old ways, but Jesus came to me. He came and found me. We were out there fishing one day, and I saw him. We didn't recognize him at first, but he called out to us, said, hey, you got, caught any fish? And I said, no. He said, throw the net on the other side. And the memories came back to me. I was like, I've heard this before. And we brought in a huge haul, a huge catch of fish that we couldn't even haul in. And that was when we recognized him. And that's when I threw myself in the water and I swam to shore. I didn't know what I was going to say to him. But when I got out of the water, I smelled a charcoal fire. And the memory of that night flooded back to me, that denial. All of that. And Jesus was cooking a meal over a charcoal fire. But this time, I was restored. <laughs> I still can't smell charcoal fire without feeling this paradox of failure slash restoration and knowing that my story is tied up in what Jesus has already done. But Jesus made a meal. He fed us. That's when he restored me. You know, he asked me three times, said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know. I don't know what to say. He asked me three times, but that broke me, but in a good way. I was totally undone. I was surrendered to him totally. And that's when he commissioned me to shepherd his sheep. <laughs> me? Jesus, you want me? He did. You see, on both sides of my epic failure was an epic meal. The Passover. Now the Lord's Supper. And then that meal, that breakfast on the shore of the sea that day, on both sides, Jesus pro provided an epic meal. The Passover, he fed me. He did so knowing that I was going to deny him. <clears throat> Think about the Passover for a moment. 
you know, that was Israel in Egypt. God provided that meal for them, that, that sacrificial lamb for his people, and they were, to, they were set free to go back home to their promised land. And guess what happened? Epic failure. They denied their God. And so did I. If you found yourself there, <laughs> Jesus comes and redeems and restores. So I ask you to face your failure. Face your sin and your darkness head on and let Jesus see into it the way he saw me. And let him feed you an epic meal for epic failures. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. That you continued, you stayed on mission. You went to that cross that night. That same night you fed us, you went, you stayed, you died. You were separated from your Father so that we could be restored. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for this meal that we are now about to enjoy. We pray it all in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.